they're all sitting around the table. It's, it's what we have come to know as the Last Supper. And I'm sure Jesus is contemplating the coming events, knowing He's about to depart. And His disciples would be left to find their own way in a hostile world. And He knew they would need each other. We read about this amazing object lesson in the first 17 verses of John chapter 13. It begins this way. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come and that He should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved His own which were in the world, the Bible says He loved them till the end. Wow. Jesus loved the disciples. He had a rich investment into their lives, and, and this would be his last opportunity to impart something meaningful that would carry them forward. This is what Jesus left the disciples. Verse 2 of John 13, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He was come from God and went to God, He rose from supper and laid aside His garments. He took a towel and girded Himself. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith He was girded. Jesus understood exactly where he was on the timeline of his life. And the disciples were finally beginning to grasp exactly who this Jesus was. He was certainly more than a man, more than a teacher, more than just another all-around good guy. They had come to understand, in fact, that he was the Son of God. According to 1 Timothy 3.16, He was God manifest in the flesh. He was the creator of the universe. He was the one who formed all 12 disciples in the womb of their mother. And by now, they knew. They had watched Him heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. They saw Him feed 5,000 people with the little boy's sack lunch. He had calmed the storm with the sound of his voice, and he had calmed their troubled hearts with the look in his eye. Peter had declared it when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus knew who he was, and the disciples were beginning to figure it out too. But it was all coming to an end. Where would we go from here? What would Jesus leave them with? What would He impart to them in these final hours, these final moments? It would be the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. That's the series we embark on this week. And we begin with some dirty feet. Jesus wanted desperately to leave His disciples with something they would remember. Something that would carry them into their new normal. Something that would propel them into ministry. And even beyond that, into martyrdom. So Jesus quietly rose from the table and began to wash their feet. A task normally performed by the most menial of servants. 
Jesus was reminding them that his followers are those who serve, not those who expect to be served. And it's a little hard for us to imagine exactly what was happening here. You really have to place yourself into the story to, to really even begin to gain some perspective. And I challenge you to do that this morning. I mean, this man Jesus was, was so amazing. He, he had all the answers. His, his wisdom was beyond anything anyone had ever seen. His intellect stopped lawyers in their tracks and, and he possessed an understanding that would stop the mouths of scribes and put Pharisees in their place. The disciples saw Jesus as the one who would eventually rule society. He was God in the flesh. He was the Savior of the world. He was the King of Kings. Now, it doesn't just add up then that Jesus would rise from the table, fill a basin with water, gird his loins with a towel, and wash feet. This was Jesus the Christ. This was the Son of the living God. And He was performing the most humble task imaginable. And all of that, perhaps, helps us to understand Peter's black and white thinking. Beginning in verse 6, it says, Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, you think you're going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do you don't know now, but you will. Peter said unto him, You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, then you have no part in me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And you he said to Peter, are clean. Peter's the all or nothing guy. We all love Peter. He's a little impetuous, a little impulsive. And, and we do like to have some fun at Peter's expense, I know. But I think Peter's reaction was more like ours than we might be willing to admit. He was just putting into words what the rest of the disciples were thinking and I believe what we would be thinking if we were there in the upper room. At first, Peter is appalled that Jesus is even considering washing his feet. You will never wash my feet, Peter says. You see, Peter's well aware of his own unworthiness. Maybe you're aware of your own unworthiness. Sometimes our unworthiness makes it difficult to receive the blessings of God. We all understand the merit system. Hey, if I've, if I've earned it, I want it. But if I don't deserve it, it will be more difficult for me to accept. I know a guy who had cancer, and his boss kept, kept paying him even though he wasn't working. That's humbling. It can be hard to receive what we didn't earn. But to not receive it will only result in us cheating ourselves 
and also hindering the work of God in us. Let me make a, a statement that I would love for it to stick with you. Listen. God desires to pour blessing into our life that we could never earn. His love surpasses our merit and exceeds what we deserve. Let me say it again. God desires to pour blessing into our life that we could never earn. His love surpasses our merit and exceeds what we deserve. We are unworthy, it's true. But God still desires to bless us. And when you think about it, that's what salvation is all about. But as many as received him, the Bible says, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. We need to get better at receiving the goodness of God. Jesus wanted Peter to understand this, so he said, if I wash you not, then you have no part in me. If I don't wash your feet, then you have no part in me. This thought, of course, terrifies Peter. It turns 180 degrees, the pendulum swings all the way to the other end of the spectrum, and he says, well, then wash my whole body. Jesus says, just your feet, thank you. And I believe there's a teaching here. And it begins with this. When we get saved, we're washed. Okay? Our entire being, when we get saved, is cleansed from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us cleanses us cleanses us from all our sin psalm 51 verse 2 says wash me wash me thoroughly from all my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sin verse 7 of the same chapter purge me with hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and I will be whiter than snow. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we get saved, we are washed. Titus says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Hebrews 10.22 Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience and our bodies, our bodies washed with pure water. Our bodies washed with pure water. 1 Corinthians 6.11 And such were some of you, but you are washed. Such were some of you, but you are washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Ephesians 5.26, that He might sanctify and cleanse us by the washing of water by the Word. We're washed and we're cleansed and we're renewed and we're sanctified and we're purged all by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we must receive what is provided by faith. 
When we're saved, we're washed. And when we're washed, we're cleansed. Now, the second part of that teaching is this. Just because we're saved doesn't mean we're without sin. We are positionally righteous. We are declared righteous because of what Jesus has done. It's a righteousness that comes by faith, but in and of ourselves, we fall short. And so we need to consistently and regularly confess our sin to God. You see, sin hinders our communication with God. Sin clogs the channel of communication with God. Isaiah 59.2 tells us your iniquities have separated you and your God and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Sin can gain a stronghold. Sin can take root and, and set us adrift in our relationship with Jesus. We need to keep our relationship with Jesus healthy and current. Your testimony isn't just how you got saved a long time ago. It's what God is doing in your life today. We keep our relationship current by washing the part of our being that comes into contact with the world. We don't have to get saved again. We just need to wash our feet, spiritually speaking. The disciples would walk down the unpaved streets of Galilee. The climate was warm and dry, and the traditional footwear of the day was sandals. Their feet would be covered with the dirt and the dust of a life lived without modern transportation and literally miles of walking each day. When they came into a house, their feet would need to be washed. In affluent houses, a servant would be provided to perform that menial task. And in much the same way, we come into contact with a dirty, sinful world. And some of the filth can cling to us. It doesn't mean we've lost our salvation, but sin has a way of latching on. And so we need to wash our spiritual feet. We need to confess our sin before it becomes part of us. Church, are you there? Peter needed his feet washed. He didn't need to be saved again. And as difficult as this is, as humbling as it seems, we need to let Jesus wash our feet. I know we want to do it ourselves. But in reality, only He can. So what is the example that He left to us? Imagine the disciples as, as they watched Jesus. Again, place yourself into the story. Imagine the disciples as they watched Jesus make His way around the table. Make His way around the room, washing the feet of each disciple one at a time. The water from the basin, the cleansing of each foot, and finally the towel to dry, and then on to the next disciple. When Jesus finished, sat back at the table, and He looked each disciple in the eye, 
I can almost see their expression filled with anticipation and their eyes bursting with curiosity, wondering what Jesus would say. Where was he going with this? In verse 12, Jesus says, you know what I've done? You call me Master and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. And then, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, then you ought also to wash, not my feet, one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. And if you know these things, if you know these things, if you know these things, then happy are you if you do them. So five quick lessons for you and me from the disciples' dirty feet. How about that? Number one, Jesus is Lord and Master. Okay? Can, can we just establish that reality? Let's just acknowledge the fact. Let's just declare the most powerful truth of all. Jesus is Lord. That's why this object lesson is so powerful. Do you get that? That's why this is so meaningful. That's why this means so much. This is Jesus, and he's washing my feet. It's no wonder Peter struggled. Jesus is Lord and Master. That's lesson number one. Number two, there's no task too menial for the servant of God. Christ, by humbling himself, dignified humility. He infused honor into service and obliged his followers to believe there's no task beneath them. When we see our master serving, we learn the principle of leading from beneath, leading from below. Jesus modeled servant leadership. Number three, keep yourselves clean and unspotted from the world. Genesis 4, 7 says, sin lies at the door. It's a personification of sin. Sin is out to get you. Sin is after you. Sin wants you. Sin has you in its crosshairs and left unchecked. Sin can wear you out and sin can wear you down. And you can actually grow accustomed to having sin around. That's why we need to keep our account with God short. Do not, church, do not let yourself get used to sin. Let Jesus wash your feet. Take sin seriously. Keep yourself clean and unspotted from the world. Number four, what was Jesus trying to leave with us? What was he trying to impart to us? Number four, unity is essential. He knew, Jesus knew that the disciples would need each other. This squabbling about who is the greatest just wouldn't do it as far as Jesus was concerned. They would need to serve each other 
rather than compete with each other. And it's still true today, church. I tell you what, I don't have to tell you, it's a cold, cruel world out there. And I would not want to face it without my church family. We need each other. And we build unity by serving one another and by serving alongside one another. Jesus was trying to impart to his disciples and trying to impart to us that unity is essential. Number five, in order to be happy, you will have to serve. In order to be happy, you will have to serve. It's more than a concept. It's an action. And he, and he ends this with, with a great little phrase. If you know these things, Jesus said, happy are you if you agree with them? No, he doesn't say that. Happy are you if you believe them, if you, if you think about them, if you read them, if you feel them? No, he says, happy are you if you do them. What can we learn from our dirty feet? Number one, Jesus is Lord and Master. Lesson number one. Number two, there's no task too menial for the servant of God. Number three, keep yourselves clean and unspotted from the world. Number four, unity is essential. The disciples were to wash one another's feet. So are we. Number five, in order to be happy, you will have to serve. I'm going to ask for the ushers to come, the communion elders. Now, as I, as I end this sermon, don't forget, he washed the feet of Judas. So don't, don't, so don't go picking and choosing whose feet you're going to wash. Jesus washed the feet of Judas. And then he said, if you know these things, if you know these things, Happy are you if you do them. We're going to move into...